0: Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, December 8th, 2019, we continue our new mini-series titled, Christmas Revealed. Today's sermon, The Plan, will be taught to us by Pastor Bob Wade out of Matthew chapter one, verses 18 through 25. Enjoy. Now I wanna let you know that this morning is not quite as much at looking at the teachings of Jesus, rather it's more about the teachings about Jesus. Last week and next week to come, we're talking about the birth of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, and what it really means. Last week, we talked about the lineage of Jesus and his family line and what was being communicated there at the beginning of Matthew chapter one. And this morning, we want to take it even a step further. So if you've got Matthew chapter one there, follow along with me as I read through verses 18 through the end of the chapter there. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel had commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, even though this begins in verse 18 with the mention of Jesus' birth, the very first thing you see here in verses 18 and 19 is a problem. This all begins with a problem. And that is that Mary, this young girl who is betrothed to Joseph, the local carpenter, is pregnant. She's not completely married yet. You know, Mary and Joseph lived in a place called Nazareth. Nazareth was a really tiny little town about 10 miles southwest of of the Sea of Galilee. So it was up in the northern part of Israel. And again, it was a very small little community. You ever live in a small community, a little small town? Or go to a really small little school where you know everybody, but everybody else knows all your stuff? I mean everything. This is the situation that Mary and Joseph are in. You know, I have no doubt that Mary's reputation before this moment was absolutely stellar. I mean, it was absolutely amazing at this point, but now she's pregnant. Now she's beginning to show, which means that everybody in Nazareth will know that she's either been unfaithful to Joseph or the two of them together have just been undisciplined and unfaithful to God. You see, Mary's situation will become the hot gossip of the time. Because in that culture, her reputation would be drugged through the mud and and ultimately she will be marginalized by everybody around her. And this child whom she's carrying here, who will always be known as the one that was conceived outside of wedlock, but I'm gonna be honest with you, they would never be that kind in how they would talk about it. They would use different terms. Verse 19. Takes it even a step further because it will show you that Joseph had a dilemma in all of this. He says in verse 19, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. It says here that he's a good man, a just man. Now, that does not mean that he was like legalistic or he was sort of hyper spiritual, but this meant that this guy was really a righteous man. He really wants to do the right thing, and, and, and the right thing to him is not to, to shame Mary or he, Mary. He loves Mary. But this child, in his mind, this child is not his. She's been with somebody else. She had to have been with somebody else. And so his plan is he's gonna quietly sort of put her away and, and divorce her because, again, he doesn't want to hurt her, but there's a side of him that's very important to understand here is that he also doesn't want to marry somebody that he thinks has been unfaithful to him. This is not a simple situation. And so he's planning on divorcing her. You know, there's a lot in this story that does not make perfect sense in Western culture. For example, verse 18 says that they were betrothed. That's not a word we use a lot. I mean, we typically say engaged. They were engaged. And yet in this case, betrothed actually meant they were actually married. I mean, it was actually binding and to the point that, like, if, if Gala and I were in this situation and we were betrothed and for some reason, you know, I were to die, she would be considered a widow. It was that binding, And yet it had one caveat. Being betrothed in that point meant that there were no sort of uh, physical acts that would take place between them. There was no consummation of marriage yet. It had to go one year of time and, and develop this relationship together. That's the relationship that Mary and Joseph were in. And so in the middle of all this, Joseph's world has got to be spinning. I mean, Mary this gift from God, this faithful woman that he has observed and believes that she is is pregnant and the child is not his. What's he supposed to do? I mean, if he does nothing at all and just finishes out the process and they they get married, they have their, their celebration at the end, people will always think they just weren't very disciplined. And in fact, that's probably what they did think. So Joseph either has a choice here. He can either go through with the marriage and be ridiculed or he can divorce her. And in the process of divorcing her, basically what he's doing, is gonna put distance between himself and her. But that distance will come at a cost. You see, if he does that, what he's basically saying to everyone is, she wasn't faithful to me. Now, that may not sound like a big deal, but in that time, in those places, they would have stoned her for that. It would have cost her life. Now, you get to verse 20 here, and you see the second part of this thing. After the problem here, you see the plan laid out in verses 20 through 25. Look what it says here in verse 20. It says, but as he, talking about Joseph, considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not, be, do not fear taking Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In other words, the angel comes to Joseph and explains there has been a miraculous situation that has taken place. There's no other man. This has happened because the Holy Spirit has done something. Now, the question that I asked out of this is why would God do that? I mean, why would there be no earthly father? Well, the reason is is because if the baby conceived in Mary's womb and has an earthly father, a human father, it would also have human sin. But if the baby doesn't have a human father, if it's a miraculous act, the baby is sinless. Does that matter? Well, it does according to Hebrews seven. Listen to what Hebrews seven says about that. As it talks about Jesus, it says, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy. In other words, not with sin, innocent never having sinned, unstained, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily first for his own sins and then for the other people since he did this once for all when he offered himself up. In other words, Jesus is not like the high priest that you see in the temple. They'd have to go in and before they would offer a sacrifice for you, they would have to offer a sacrifice for themselves first so that God wouldn't kill them. They wanted to make sure that their hearts were right and then they could offer up something for, for you. Jesus didn't need to do that because he never sinned. He was holy, unstained, innocent. And he comes and he does this amazing thing and he only has to do it one time. The sacrifices of the Old Testament had to be made day after day every single year. The beauty is Jesus comes along and makes one sacrifice and it changes your life forever. That's why. Look at verse 21. Back in Matthew chapter one he says this. And she shall bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So the angel then stops and and takes it even a step further in a very telling statement, tells Joseph here, you don't get naming rights. Now the reason why that's a big deal is because in that culture, the father had the right to name that child anything he wanted to. The father had naming rights. We don't live in that world today. You may think, dads, you have that, (laughs) that privilege. It doesn't work like that. But in this culture it did. So the angel comes along and, and clearly makes it clear, Joseph, you do not get to choose the name. You're not the real father here. You will call his name Jesus. Jesus is the, the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word Yeshua. It's where we get Joshua from. It means Jehovah is salvation. Joseph, you're going to name this child Jehovah is salvation. Man, can you imagine? Look at verses 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 22 tells us that this was the fulfillment of a prophecy that had been given 700 years before the birth of Christ to the prophet Isaiah. I love how Isaiah seven fourteen mentions it. It says, this is the sign. This will be the sign that the virgin shall be with child and you're gonna call his name Emmanuel, God with us. God here is making the ultimate sacrifice for us in giving his son. Then you get to verses 24 and 25 and and Joseph wakes up from his dreams and does exactly what the angel told him, has resolved. He has no problem listening to anything that that anybody in that community will say at that point. He's heard from God. He's gonna go ahead and do it and he follows through and becomes a father that he needs to be. Great story. Now, there's only a couple of different ways you can respond to a story like this. One is, some people will hear a story like that, maybe even some of you, maybe some of your family, the neighbors that you live around, people that you work with, they will hear a story like that and they'll go, that's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, if there is a God, why in the world would he ever put himself into that circumstance? The very thought that God would let his son be born any any place other than Jerusalem Central, you know, and to Jerusalem Memorial or whatever, you know, hospital you could possibly think of at that time is just crazy. You're allowing him to lay in an animal feeding trough? See, some people in their minds have this this thought that if there is this greater power, this higher power, that, you know, the whole idea is he's high and mighty, he's above everything, he's too great for us in any possible way to step down into humanity, and yet that is exactly what the gospels teach us he does. It's what sets Christianity apart from every other belief system on the planet, That in the womb of a young girl, God would do this miraculous thing. He would bring up, He would take the impossible, God being high and above everything, and make it possible. He would take the unapproachable and make him huggable. How? Jesus was born into humanity, Emmanuel. God with us. His birth makes him a couple of different things that it's important for us to think through, things we don't typically even think through. For example, the fact that God will let his son be born in the flesh makes him vulnerable. I mean, for that period of time, do you realize that it's there in Mary's arms, you know, wrapped up in those things, is the God of the universe? to realize his vulnerability put him in a spot where ultimately all sin would be placed on him on the cross, and he would go and die there, not because he sinned, but because we do. His birth makes him historical. You know, I can remember even as a kid, you know, they used to have these things called encyclopedias a long time ago. (laughs) Pretty sure they don't have them anymore. But you know, you can go online and look up Jesus. He's a historical figure. Nobody questions the fact that he was actually here. People question maybe that he was divine. They question those types of things, but nobody questions the fact that he was actually here. Historians like Josephus wrote about him. He's a historical figure. But he was also real. It's one of the the wonderful parts about reading through the Gospels you could see him, you could touch him. I love the story about the woman in the crowd reaching out and just, just touching him. You know, how many times I've read through the scriptures and I've thought about, you know, I would love to have been in that crowd and just been able to reach out as he's passing by. You could talk to him, you could hear from him. You know, for some people that's just too much. I mean, if God is here, he would never allow his son to become a baby in diapers dependent upon a young mom. I mean, that's just below him. Why? Why would it be below him? Look, I'm a grandpa, okay? I'll I, 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 be honest with you, and, and I love my grandkids. I, I really do. I'm, I'm crazy about them, and I think they love me. But you know what's really interesting? I can remember my, my two boys. They... they They would ask, finally one of them asked me one time, why is it they like you better than they like us? Now, by the way, that's all changed now because they've learned a couple of things. But I can remember them asking, and I remember what I told them was, you gotta get into their world. You have to get into their world. See, when I speak to my grandkids, I'm 6'3". When I speak to my grandkids, I don't talk from up here and down to them like this. And I don't even get into a chair and you know, in a condescending way, come on, come on over, I don't, I don't even do that. I get down on my knees with them. You wanna know why? Because this is where their world is, right here. And I'll be honest with you, I, I'm not bothered by that. It doesn't make me any less of a man. It doesn't make me any less intelligent. It doesn't make me any less capable you know, for me to do this. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I do this because I love them and I want them to know me and I want to appreciate the moment together with them and I want them to trust me and see that I care and feel my my, my touch and my love. I want all those things in that relationship. I'm not bothered by someone saying, well, that's below you not below me, you don't know me then. The fact that God would get on his knees, I mean, and some people don't believe that, it's just, it's kind of a blow mind to me. Why in the world would anybody think that me as a human being could be more loving than our God because I would get on my knees and God wouldn't? Of course he would get on his knees. Of course he would come down to the earth. This is what he would do. God loves us. He knows that the only chance that we have to love him back is to get in the dirt with us, where we live. Now, some people will look at it, and again, like that, they'll say it's crazy. Other people will look at this story and they'll go, you know, I just think it's just completely unnecessary. I think you're missing it. I think the Christmas story is this cute story you got mixed up with Santa and blah, blah, blah. I think that's how it all works and everything. I think the truth is if you really want to think that there's a higher power, that instead of thinking about God coming down, we need to be thinking about going up we need to have a deeper level of thoughts and we need to have a greater sense of, of awareness around us and we need to you know, have a, a more philosophical and a higher level of consciousness and connect with more things and, and get into the universe and grab a crystal if you want to or whatever, I mean, I, I can do all these things like that, but I need to be reaching up to God, not thinking that God is gonna somehow come down to me. I gotta be honest with you, that is not the message of the Bible at all. It's not even close, You wanna know what the message of the Bible is? Mercy and grace. You see, God knew you could not possibly reach him on your own. It's not possible. That's why he tells us in Romans chapter five, verse eight, that God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now let me tell you why that's a really important statement because you can't die if you don't become alive. That's the message. We will never reach God the Father without Jesus the Son coming in the flesh. Now, there's one other possibility. I mean, some people, again, could see this as crazy. Some would see it as unnecessary. The other possibility is this story that we look at the story and we realize this is the most wonderful story you've ever heard in your whole life. It's life-changing. It's a blow mine. But what makes it so wonderful, so significant? Go back to Matthew 1, look at verse 21. It says, she will bear a son, and she'll call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people, those who trust, who have faith, he will save them from their sins. See, this is why Christmas is such a big deal. It's not the exchanging of gifts or the gathering of family and friends. I mean, everybody loves that. But that's not why it's a big deal. It's a big deal because God himself came down in the form of his son so that you and I could know him. That by faith, we could trust in him. That we take this, this, this gift that he's given that become a token for all gifts that are given. That we could trust in him. The gift is that Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a gift. So here's the question: it's Christmas time. Which group are you in? Is this just crazy for you? Is it unnecessary? Or is it possible your heart's beating really quickly right now and you realize this is the greatest story you've ever heard in your whole life? That I would encourage you that God is moving you to trust him. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Would you do that? Nothing spiritual about praying in this moment. Nothing spiritual about having your eyes closed, your head down, except for the fact that it will allow you to focus in on you and God for a minute. But I want to encourage you that this wonderful gift that God threw Mary and Joseph's life into a, a crazy situation was done for you. Don't pass this gift up. Don't belittle the gift It is better than anything you can possibly imagine and it's yours for the asking. If you would simply, right where you're at, in your own language, inside your heart, quietly to yourself, if you would simply ask God to forgive you and to come into your life and take control of you and make you his own, he will. I want to encourage you that after we're done with the service today, there will be some people that will be down front here. They would love to be able to talk with you, pray with you, give you some counsel, some guidance, be able to help you take your first steps, but don't miss the gift. Father, move in a very powerful way in our hearts to come to know you, to love you, to appreciate the gift that you've given us. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. This Christmas is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to really understand what Christmas is really all about. Christmas is two words put together, Christ, the Messiah, and the word Mass, which means sacrifice. This was the Father's sacrifice so that you and I might know the truth, that we might be saved. This Christmas, celebrate that and give others the opportunity. Use this as a chance to bring someone to hear the gospel message. Merry Christmas. God bless you guys.